Hey everybody, this is Jeff Ashkin in Los Angeles, California with Roy Cole in Jersey City, New Jersey and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. And this is the podcast Coast to Coast to Coast, part two of our debate on the greatest books of all time. Anyway, so Roy, back to you. What's your number one? All right, here we go. Uh, my number it? one book is Everyone Poops. Uh, no way. No. <laughs> no, that's not my number one. Uh, just a joke. Um, no, my number one book, uh, which I debated for a while, but I decided on uh, Wealth, Poverty, and Politics by Thomas Sowell. A very riveting title, I know. Um, but this is, uh, it's, it's all nonfiction, right? And uh, this is like, it's a, it's a monster book. It's like 600 pages. And uh, it's kind of this blend of economics and history and politics. Uh, but the main question that, it, that is the running theme of the whole book is um, why are there different economic outcomes between nations of the world? And then also, why are there different economic outcomes within nations, like, like between groups within a nation? And, uh, and so he, this guy, um, he's been a professor at Stanford for years and, and other accolades and whatnot. But uh, he goes into excruciating detail, um, basically showing um, how, uh, how countries kind of got to be the way they are, and especially how uh, a lot of policies implemented by governments which are ostensibly created to to help the poor and to help like the underprivileged communities uh almost always have the opposite effect uh and in fact not only not improve the situation for the poor but usually actively make things worse for them and and it's filled with a lot of studies and a lot of data to to back up uh, all his assertions um so uh so if you don't like numbers it'll probably bore you i guess uh because it's filled with a lot of them but uh for me it was my number one because it was the book that kind of got me to understand how the economy works and i think that's really critical as i think in order to understand almost anything like any policy that's implemented by any government you need to have at least you need to have a pretty solid understanding of economics and the economic principles that 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 kind of undergird a society and um i'll say um this sounds a little harsh but i feel like uh someone who doesn't have a good understanding of economics i don't really take their opinion on anything very seriously because i think it's impossible to have a I think it's like trying to put together a puzzle where you're missing half the pieces from the box. Um, that's what it's like to to try to like understand some policy without understanding the economic principles that are underlying it. So uh, so this was the book that kind of got me to realize to understand my own gaps in knowledge when, when I try to understand if some particular policy or or endeavor undertaken 
but by the government, you know, was helpful or harmful. Uh, it made me realize that I really wasn't considering all the factors that I should be considering. And I realized that that there are a lot of gaps that that I certainly uh, took for granted at the time. And, and now I certainly see other people um, have those kind of same gaps in their knowledge. And uh, this was the first book that kind of got me into uh, economics and, and understanding how economics really, you know, economics, people think of it as like money, right? Like the study of money, but it's, it's not. It's like, it's the study of incentives. That is actually what economics is. And, and once you understand that, you a lot of other fields open up and you begin to understand a lot about politics and about health and, and about history. Um, so, so that was really eye-opening for me to, to read that book. And uh, yeah, that was, that was like my first uh, foray into uh, uh, economics, basically. Very cool. It's interesting because uh, hearing your choices, it definitely gives more insight as to why we call you contrarian in previous yeah. episodes. But it's it seems like your contrarian traits are a lot more well founded. Because there are people who are just contrarian just just to be different from other people. Like I know people who say like, oh, I, I like music, but I hate the Beatles or something. And they're just saying that because they're, they are uh, upset with the amount of popularity that the Beatles have and not necessarily so concerned with their music. Um, people like that are usually contrarian just to be contrarian. But hearing your choices, it sounds like you've done enough research to the point where you can be contrarian for a logical reason. Does it make sense? Yeah, like, I mean, I think I, I know enough to realize how much I don't know, right? Which uh, uh, I feel like some people are under the impression that they know a lot more than they imagine. But uh, no, it, it's interesting that you said that. I recently um, got into an, uh, a friendly argument with uh, some friends who might be listening to this podcast, I don't know. And uh, at the end of the argument, they said something like, like, what do you think it is that made Roy this way? Like, why does he act like this? <laughs> like implying that there was some, I don't know, like something happened to me as a child that uh, like traumatically scarred me and like changed all my opinions on things. But, but yeah, as you pointed out, uh, I just read uh, a lot. and. Um, the the more background you have, the more you realize that a lot of the things that you just kind of assume to be true and assume to be axiomatic um, are actually not true. And a lot of the things we call conventional wisdom um, are actually um, not conventional at all. Yeah, they're not axiomatic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. SAT word of the day. <laughs> All right, Derek, you're up. What's your number? All right. Um, well, thank you for sharing, Roy. I'll definitely, definitely, I'm definitely interested in uh, checking out some of those uh, choices, even though some of them might be depressing. Um, my first choice is the Count of Monte Cristo, written by oh. Alexandre Dumas 
1844. So have you guys read it? Or are you aware of it? I Yes. I, yes. I'm aware of it. I have not read it. I have seen so, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because my number two and number one have both been made into movies starring Guy Pierce. And I don't <laughs> recommend either of those versions, <laughs> even though I do like Guy Pierce and I do like both of these stories. I don't like the versions uh, that were remade with him in it. Um, so The Count of Monte Cristo is written by um, the same author who wrote The Three Musketeers. So arguably you could say The Three Musketeers is his more um, well-known work. Um, and part of the reason why I like this story so much might be because of the fact that it was so much different than what I thought it was going to be going into it. Um, I read it because it was included in an app that had some novels and it was one of the novels I was included. And I basically had read all the other novels and it was the last one. And I was really kind of dreading reading it because it's so long. If you've ever seen the physical version of the book, it's like twice as thick as any, as like, like picture the longest novel you've read. And it's like double that. And I thought it was going to be like a simple swashbuckling adventure type tale, just because of what society had told me what about Alexandre Dumas's work, uh, three musketeers. And I thought it was just going to be a really long, adventure story um but it was so much more than that and i think the fact that it was just so defiant of my expectations in a good way that um made it leave such uh an impact on me and so the first thing that you'll notice when you're reading the book is the inter-character relationships there's so many characters in the story and they're all related to each other in many different ways, in very complex ways. And a lot of times you're not made aware of how the people are connected until much later on. Like, for example, the, the beginning of the story introduces um, the, I guess, four or five main characters um and then you read about those characters and then at some point the story just takes place in a different country with different characters and you have no idea who these people are and and i remember reading it and just being like well i want to know what happened to the other characters why am i reading about these characters and it goes so long into these you kind of forget what the story's about because <laughs> it's talking about these other characters that you don't really relate to and then later on, you realize how they're connected to the original characters that the story introduced. And it gets really interesting when you make the connections. And if you look up, um, you can find online like a character relation chart of the characters in this story. It's really mind boggling to see that. Um, how many characters, just like there's so many characters and how they're all related. And I remember halfway through the story, I actually took out a piece of paper and wrote down the characters and drew my own character relation map because it was just, I was having trouble keeping everything um, organized in my head. That's how complex it was. But it's just so ingenious the way the characters are related. The other thing is, um, I just 
love the way the the count um the eponymous count um behaves throughout the story um he starts out as a character who is pretty naive about how the world works pretty uneducated and goes through some things that make him kind of like this all-knowing um very classy, very educated, uh, very socially aware person. And seeing how the Count reacts in various situations was really eye-opening for me. I just thought it was such a cool, um, suave character. And um, that was another thing that drew me to the story. But the reason, the thing that made me realize that this was my favorite book was, it, I mean, it's so long. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to get through this. And then going through um, 10 chapters a day. And then at, towards the end, I was reading 20 chapters. There's more than 100 chapters. And I remember I was, I was reading 20 chapters a day because I, I was so curious as to how it was going to end. And um, at that time, I was having trouble sleeping because I would read some before I slept. And then when I, I would sleep and the story would continue in my dreams and then I would wake up and I couldn't remember what was dreamed and what was actually like where I had left off in this story. Um, and then when I got to the end, I'm not going to say what, how the story ends, but I'll say that when I was reading the last chapter, my heart was beating. I could like feel my heart beating as I was that- getting the last pages. That could have been from the lack of sleep that you had accumulated <laughs> for several nights. No, it was actually um, because I was so excited about um, reaching the conclusion of the story. And it's the only book that has really made me feel like that, that actually changed like my, the state of, of my, um, my level of excitement just just through reading words off a page like it it really um affected me so at the end of the book i realized that it had kind of moved me in a way that hadn't um that i hadn't felt from a novel in the past so yeah that's why um i love that book so much i've read it twice actually i mean i never thought i'd read it twice but considering the length i just it it's just so cool. Just um, really cool story. So I'd recommend that if you have a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, no. I I my number one pick is also a book I've read I've read twice, once in school and then once on my own. And my number one pick would be The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Now I know there's like a lot of people out there probably just groaned because it's a book you had to get through in school. But I would say it's a extremely well-written story has a great American protagonist, and one of the one of the biggest reasons is that it has such an amazing ending line, the line that basically defined I feel like all of 20th century literature. So we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past, and it's like even out of context, it's an amazing line. We talk about how we're always trying to capture our youth, trying to do things our way. And this is a story about someone who tries to 
get his love back, to become successful, and then the establishment brings him down. Spoiler alert, sorry. But um, what I love about this book so much is just the wealth of all these characters in it. And its influence is seen in so many other so many other works of literature and movies, I'd say. Um, so I also would say that uh, it's it it definitely gets me. It didn't get me worked up a lot as a as a student reading it, but as an adult, I definitely am more involved in the story and the character's journey than I was when I was younger. Mm. Do you remember? Uh what color the car was that ran over Jay Gatsby. <laughs> Wait, he didn't get run over. Jay Gatsby didn't run over. He I mean, no, I messed that up. I'm sorry. That yeah. runs over uh, Mr. Wilson, right? Mr. Wilson? No, Mr. No, Myrtle's the one who gets killed. Oh my God. Well, what color is the car? <laughs> that is well, Roy, now's a good time. <laughs> on the quiz that we had in high school <laughs> no it's i'm referring to an episode of south park where they're trying to figure out if the kids have add or not and so the doctor reads them like the entire great gatsby from like cover to cover in the doctor's office and at the end he's like what color was jay gat's car and nobody knows the answer <laughs> he's like wow you all have severe add and <laughs> he puts them on meds that's awesome so i was trying to figure out if jeff has add or not also you know sorry uh, andy kaufman once did a a stand-up routine at a college and they were making fun and not taking him seriously so he walked off stage got a copy of great gatsby walked back on the stage and read the entire book in front of everybody <laughs> it was just it was an amazing you know, bit of performance art that I thought was a great use of Great Gatsby in a very different way. But anyway, now um, that was amazing. That so audience members actually stuck around to hear him recite the entire novel. They, well, no, he was he was doing a stand-up routine, and they were asking him to do bits of material he didn't want to do. So, like as like a punishment, basically, got out the book and started reading it, and. You know, I think if they stayed and listened to him, they probably got a great uh, audio recording. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, surely yeah. everyone would have walked out at some point, but maybe yeah. maybe they were riveted. By I would have, I, I would have stayed. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Let us know if there's a topic you want us to cover by sending us a message at coast to coast to coast podcast at gmail.com. That's coast the number two, coast the number two, and then coast podcast at gmail.com. As you can see, we're very interested in seeing your emails, your thoughts, your comments, your criticisms, your challenges, anything. We'll take any spammers out there. I mean, it's so funny that people talk about spammers all the time, but we haven't got anything. This, this <laughs> email address has been completely... We will read your spam email. If you're promoting a product, we will read that on the air for, yeah. for you. Exactly. So, but uh, Also, you if you want to... If you want to explain what the best uh, Goosebumps book is and and why, yeah, and it's uh, not. I Monster think we Blood. would appreciate. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and 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 explain why the answer is not say cheese and die, which should be the answer. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, that was okay. That that was honestly, if there was a Twilight episode that was like almost identical in terms of the concept. I should think it was identical in terms of concept, but. Um... I'll have to reread that book. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.